Welcome back in 2024 to Life in Black and White. Hello. We decided that since 2024 is such an important year, it's the road to elections. We are going to be covering the elections. In a way. Yeah. We we will admit that we've been doing some research and it got the so energy down. Confusing yeah. one. Yeah. And yeah, it got our energy down. It got the energy down massively. So we started Just off really sad. Yes, because as a as a voter or potential voter, I mean a lot of us will be potential voters or voters, whatever. English in the morning. We read a lot. Um it's really disheartening when you start and you look at the different manifestos and the different gazettes within the the political parties. And we looked at the big three and that started a lot of debate. <laughs> We're missing our third podcaster, yeah. the tall man there in the background. That you can see in that photo over there. <laughs> um, and we've had a debate since the last night, but I think since this morning, I'm not going to lie, my energy has been very low um, because I feel disheartened a little bit and a little bit disillusioned. And then we went on a spiral with the crime stats mm -hmm. and all the various stats. Folks who make those things, please make them more palatable to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. This is shaking. Whoopsie, <laughs> I'm kind of a passionate and I'll move our camera. Guys, the people who create those polls, who create those stats, please make them more palatable yeah. to the consumer. You're making it palatable for yourself. One, you understand, we don't understand. We don't know how those graphs work, what they're based on, what the indications are, all those different colors with all those numbers. But it's also just random stats that yeah. have no, like what we're literally trying to just look, you know, ranking in terms of cities and the crime rates and how they've gone up. And then we were trying to look up the energy tariffs because obviously city of Cape Town's electricity is cheaper. And also city of Cape Town isn't as affected as the rest of South Africa for the load shedding schedule. But trying to figure out why and what those tariffs are, it was impossible. Mm -hmm. It was so confusing. There's like five different tiers, three different tiers in some other provinces. So it depends on what province you're in. There's like a lifeline, there's a domestic, there's a local. There's, it's just... What does it mean? It's so confusing. So you actually, to you, we should have we realized we should have done a bit more research, but we didn't realize that we would have to spend more than a week trying to actually put things together mm. to understand the difference. Because, Seeps, you've recently moved to an area that is off Cape Town's grid. Yeah, I'm, I'm on I'm on Eskom, not city of Eskom. I'm on Eskom. <laughs> <laughs> thank god there's no city of escom <laughs> i'm at escom and listen what higher stages of load shedding electricity is expensive um in comparison to city of cape town because i lived in, in 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 the southern suburbs before and then i moved um but that was really plainly because Cape Town is expensive in terms of property, right? Mm -hmm. And where to rent. So I thought I'd get value for money if I wasn't within the city or in the CBD. But then you pay more in other respects, like for things like electricity. And that's wild. But there is an explanation in that where they talk about there's a difference in pricing of tariffs due to um property prices but that makes no sense as well then why yours would be more expensive because you're saying you moved out of the city into an area that you thought was cheaper yeah but electricity is expensive yeah but also escom has just increased their prices by 18 percent again 
And there's um, stats. I will read them to you now. I also want to fact check these, but it was posted by 80 movement underscore essay, where it shows since um, Cyril Ramaphosa has come into power in 2019 to 2024, unemployment has increased from 29.1% to 31.9%. Youth unemployment has increased from 43% to 58%. That's mad. Poverty has increased from... 13.8 million to 18.2 million. We also can't discount COVID. Sure. Um, fuel prices have increased by about six rand per liter. So it was 16 rand 30 and now it's 22.17. Load shedding in 2019, there were 30 consecutive days of load shedding in terms of the entire schedule. 2024, 300. And 35 days of load shedding. That's the whole year. That's the whole year. Crime has increased from 57 people per day to 75 per day. Wasteful and irregular expenditure, 1.52 billion rands over the last five years. My thing is, though, I think that there's way more money that has been wastefully spend it we all know about this shack that mm -hmm. cost over a million cool story bro does a really nice breakdown about it um i'll link it in where it, it was over a million rand to create and it's literally it's like a shack pretty much a security shack and it's million rand a month to run so was it built okay well, i'm trying to figure out where the expenses are going like i said cool story bro on instagram has a really nice breakdown about it where he's got all of it down but essentially, it's they're paying every month for mice, so like computer mice and computers every month. But once you've bought it, why are you still paying for it? It's giving, it's giving corruption. It was, there's just so many stats. I would check them off and listen for you. But now we're going down the rabbit hole. Mm. We wanted to talk to you about the big three, which is Democratic Alliance, Economic Freedom Front, and the yes. one that are in power, the African National Congress, ANC. So these are kind of the only parties that most people are aware of, um, apart from what's that, um, the VFF? Freedom Front Plus. That one. They are now starting to come up in Western Cape, which is a little bit frightening. But it just also shows that people are not believing in DA or ANC anymore either. Um and then IFPs also come up quite a bit in KZN. Mm -hmm. But how many of you actually know other parties that are coming up? How many of you know their manifestos? So we wanted to go on a journey of where we are discovering and learning about these manifestos. What have they done? Who are these party leaders mm -hmm. that are coming up? Um, who would you like to talk about first? <laughs> I do want to say, I stand to be corrected, but the IFP has always been a stronghold. Yes, in KZN. Um, in KZN. Um, they, they hold a lot of power in that region. Um, but who do we speak about first? Sure. Because we're going to be talking about all the parties and we're probably going to do about three per episode. So we're mm. not spending too much time talking about each of them because also... You'll probably learn more if you go and look at it, but hopefully we inspire you to take your vote into your own hands. And vote, And guys. make an informed decision. Yes. 
also we we discovered that there are i think about 27 million registered voters right mm -hmm. but how many of those people are actually going to vote this year i yeah. think that it's really important for you to do your research but living in this country as a south african as a person who's young who's affected by everything political should inform your decision the cost of bread the cost of electricity the cost of petrol the geez it's expensive to live and then at the same time i mean all you know if you're 30 30 down is is freedom right you don't know what life was like before we don't know that our context is the new south africa which is about 30 years old yeah. but then you also can't use that as a basis to go oh it's all going to shit anyway um i'm just not gonna vote please vote it is really important also if you are thinking that way then and you haven't registered to vote or you haven't voted then you have no right to complain, in my opinion. Sorry, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear your complaints about the country. I don't want you to say it's all going to shit. You did not use your democratic right as an individual citizen in this country who can make a difference by voting because you clearly are fine with the way things are if you're not voting or contributing to the We need to hold our leaders the political agenda. That's why there are things like votes is to hold them accountable to the promises that they've made and it's to hold them to a standard. Listen, you said you're going to do X. You haven't done so. You said you're going to do Y. You haven't done so. Why haven't you done so? And you, you we should be punishing people by voting for somebody else. You can't sit at home and your vote is rotting out, guys. With that said, we're not yelling. So then should we start with AMC then talking about holding people accountable? We should start with the with the leader. That really is what it is. Squirrel Ramaposa. I love my cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> he is very cute. Starting off with the AMC, let's talk about how Cyril announced on live television to all of us that 500 billion rand that was given to South Africa from US and to provide stimulus, healthcare support, etc., just went missing. And again, with that, who's been held accountable for that? Why have we not investigated? We stand to be corrected. Like, where is the money? Why has no one been taken to court for that for those missing funds? Um, oh, yeah. Never mind. Also, that during state capture when Zuma was still around. It's estimated that between 14 billion rand up until maybe even 1 trillion rand has also just gone missing. It's for that security shack. How else are they going to run it? But who's benefiting off that security shack? That's what I want to know. The tenders. It's all squirrels' mates. Because there's no way he doesn't see or know what's going on. It's not like I understand South Africa is a big country and there's lots of things, but why is there also not more transparency in terms of where taxpayer money is going? Mm -hmm. Why is it why is it so difficult to find out what they're spending the money on? These are the same people who set up surveillance footage when the EFF had that march. Do you remember? Mm. Um, they set up. So I think it was a it was it was surveillance footage in the streets of Johannesburg. Um, I might be getting this wrong, but it was like state of the art security, and they had like plasmas and cameras in that room because they wanted to see if they would be shutting down the country or if things would go wrong. And my question is, if you can invest that much money in a march that is not even lasting the whole day. How have you not done that? One, to combat all the kidnappings that happen in, in the city of Johannesburg, in the city of Cape Town, just around Cape Town. I mean, just around the, the country in general. Do you know what I mean? You have the means. 
you know how to do it. You're just not doing it. But when it suits you. But I mean, also just the way that ESCOM has been run. Andre Reuters released that tell all about ESCOM. And what he said was like, I can't remember the figures now exactly, but it was literally in the billions per month that ESCOM was just through tenders, just going. So all these ESCOM tax tariff increases, it's just going straight into tender pockets. Mm. And then we have 355 days of load shedding. And you as a taxpayer should use that as your leverage to go and vote. Don't sit at home and complain. That's not going to do anything. Get up and go vote. If you've registered to vote, please vote. This might sound so preachy, but we live in a really beautiful country. Your voice does matter and it really does count. You should be holding these people accountable and holding their feet to the fire. But here we are just complaining. So speaking of as well, holding accountable. So there's 500 billion rand that went missing during COVID. How much money was found in Cyril's couch? I think it was about 2 million US dollars or 250,000 US dollars. Let's look it up. Let's, if anyone's watched Joe Rogan, um, you'll understand my statement now, what I'm going to say. Jamie, look that up for us. Um, we need a fact checker. Yeah, we need a fact checker. If anyone wants to be a fact checker, please reach out. <laughs> so, Cyril Ramaphosa couch money. Um, he was cleared of it, of wrongdoing over the scandal. So, he had more than half, half a million, million dollars stashed in his sofa. He was cleared of it. Um, so that's interesting because we all know Squirrel is actually a successful businessman. He owns all, he owns, owns the McDonald's franchise in South mm, Africa. Owns the licensing. He owns the licensing. So you cannot open up a McDonald's without dealing with Squirrel. So, I can't take you seriously if you call him that. But I mean, we cannot take him seriously either. What has he done? He says he beautiful, eloquent speeches, but what actually gets done? There's still a cabinet that is stealing from under us. Let's also talk about COVID during the lockdowns when they banned cigarettes. Dlamini Zuma, your son, was the only cigarette that was pretty much available. All other ones had an incre incredibly high like surcharge on that. Yeah, people became millionaires through that cigarette cartel. And I'm going to call it a and, cartel. And uh, it, it was a cigarette cartel. And BAT actually did take them to court and won mm, on those rights. So that already, so that's the people who is running in these circles in the cabinets. They're creating these security shacks. ESCOM is stealing billions from right under us all the time. You cannot tell me that as the president, you are not aware of all of this going on. Mm. Okay. But now, here's my chat, right? <clears throat> we want to inform the voter right we want that's that's our aim right we presenting all these different party manifestos and these varying different parties to people and we want to educate them as well as ourselves and if we want to do that successfully we need to take emotion out of it yeah so by just being factual so ANC has not released their manifesto yet. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at their 2019. So then you can also just, from what we've said, draw your own conclusions to what it says. So it was to create an extra 275,000 jobs a year by boosting local demand for goods, investing more in mining, manufacturing, agriculture, expanding. 
improve nearly 6 million lives with a national minimum wage, increase in, in internships and training opportunities, remove work experience for the employment of young at an entry level. That is fair because also how must I have 20 years of experience when I've just graduated from school mm. or even five years? How must mm. I? Raise 1.2 trillion new investment over four years in the growth of the economy. The economy oh, shrunk, though. The economy has shrunk. I understand also COVID has a big play, mm. but how can there be investment in the economy when it's about 500 billion of that is just gone? Mm. What investment? And where is it going to? And delivery of major projects. Um, so presidential infrastructure coordinating commission. So fast track and unblock them. Seeps, what was it the other day you said they were cheering about that what they installed in a rural area? So there was an article that I saw, I think it was on Twitter or X, like, oh my gosh, where the national government had installed a tap in a rural community and that made news. Um, 30 years later, that's nothing to clap about. If, an, if, if if your people don't have access to running water and you're still clapping for yourself for the for the build of a tap, come now, you know that's very tone deaf. Um, that's nothing to clap about. That's something to be very ashamed of because then that's tracking progress. Um, in terms of the things that you were liable to do, we should have access to running water. Yeah. You know, like and basic education. Basic education. What about the dignity of your people? You know, but now it seems as though, and this is with all the manifestos that we were reading. To me, it seems as though everything that we're reading, it's like these people, and when I say these people, I mean politicians, they're capitalizing on people's poverty, you know, and basic lack of things, you know, and you're using that as a campaign slogan and you're using that as a manifesto, that's not okay, that's exploitative. That's just my opinion on it. So also one of their things in their manifesto says, continued prioritized rollout of water infrastructures to provide clean water and fast track none. So since 2019, they've installed this and celebrated this. I wonder how many they actually have done. This is just the news article we saw, but mm. in 30 years of democracy, you're celebrating the installation of a tap now. 30 years later. 30 years later. It's tone deaf, actually. It's mad behavior. And you can see that there's also a section about, you know, um, violence and criminal acts and, you know, target gang violence, gender-based violence, support survivors, better police visibility. And we looked at the stats in terms of crime. And I'm just finding the proper tab. Jamie, pull up the tab. Uh <laughs> So where's this area thing now? So the worst areas, so Cape Town, actually. So then this will lead us to the DA because we have to feel like I've spoken enough about the ANC. Um, these are all going to be ongoing discussions. We're not going to completely be close to talking about these parties. They will come up as they start doing their electoral campaigns. And we'll unpack those campaigns as well and what it means for you and us. Exactly. So rank number one is Cape Town CBD. So a number of crimes per day reported is 30. 30.7, so like 31 30.7, 31 crimes. Second is Joburg, which is so surprising because in my mind, Joburg is more dangerous than Cape Town. But also then again, we're not taking into account how Cape Town, Seeps, you said you also saw this, we'll also provide the evidence that five of the most dangerous areas, like suburbs, are in Cape Town. So that explains a lot of why 
the high rates. But then also, this is where, maybe this is where we'll, before we digress into what the DA have done. So second is Joburg with 23.5 reports a day. Durban is third. And then Mitchell's plane is fourth. And Phoenix is fifth. Phoenix, Durban? Oh, wow. Okay. So... Actually, in this, it's interesting because it says it, it's not, these are talking about areas because there's mm -hmm. Cape Town CBD. So then two in the top five are within the Western Cape. Okay. So then those other three at the time that, that I read that report, um, it was Samora Michelle, it was Philippi, it was Delft. Um, what was the other one? Fuleni was at the top there as well. Um, and I can't recall the fifth one, but there definitely were five. And they all rank also differently in terms of what crime you experience. So what I noticed, well, it depends actually, because Cape Town CBD, I think there wasn't, it wasn't high like murders. It was more kind of just theft. Mm -hmm. Whereas Joburg, we know it's high in hijacking. Mm. And so each area has this different thing, but we know in those areas that you mentioned, those five, it was in, the Western, well, in Cape Town, never mind Western Cape. It's to do with gang violence, murder, rape, assault, etc. And also within Cape Town itself, <clears throat> I find it really interesting that there's the Cape Town CBD, right, that we view as Cape Town, and then all the other areas we don't look at as Cape Town. And I'm sorry, if we're going to be fair about the best drank city in the world, you also need to account that Samora Michelle is also in Cape Town. Philippi is also in Cape Town. Kailicha is also in Cape Town. You know, Guguletu is also in Cape Town. Langa is also in Cape Town. So this is the same Cape Town of Manenberg. and Manenberg. It's the same city. So if the DA is going to, because one of their, their um, manifestos is about service delivery. And if we're going to be honest about service delivery are you polishing up where it's already shiny or are you also providing the same services to those areas because that is also Cape Town it cannot be you can't make what's prettier prettier yeah. you know and so I'll pay my ignorance on this because I remember there was a huge protest several years ago about service delivery within Cape Town mm. and because obviously I don't have have never been in these areas um where there's such a huge divide and disparity between gold shiny city of Cape Town and the and underdeveloped areas, I want to say, because mm. they don't have access to freely running water, education is poor, there's violence, everything. It's really terrible areas. For me, I'm like, but there is Cape Town service delivery. Like, but I live in the polished areas and I don't venture into the other areas. So it's literally wearing like rose colored glasses and being very tone deaf. So I will claim my ignorance on that. Because when I saw that it came out, I was like, is the ANC coming trying to cause problems? No. Because they're just jealous that Western Cape is better run than the rest of the country. And then you have, sorry, DA, but like, um, I feel as though in your manifesto, and just as a person was reading all of these, I find that your policies and everything that you base your your policies on is always the ANC has done this, you know. Oh, Look God. at all the bad things. 
firstly, please tell us what you're going to do. We're interested in that as voters, you know, mm-hmm. as people who don't know you. We don't know what your identity is, but what's emerging very strongly. What their identity is, is that they are not ANC. They're not the ANC. We get that. But can we get something else? We understand that. We, I, I don't understand Cape Exit. I'm sorry. I don't agree with it. <laughs> I feel very strongly about it. was going on last night. Yes, we had a fact debate about it. Um, but what is your identity other than Cape Town is the best run city, but best run city where is it just the CBD that you're referring to? Mm. You understand? Because the people, there are people who vote for you within the areas that I've mentioned as well. Why are they not afforded the same amount of service delivery? You know, why, why is there not the same turnaround of time when there's a pipe burst or sewage burst? You know, is it because they, they don't pay the same amount of taxes that the people pay in the CBD? Like, what is the difference? That's all I want to know. Yeah, that's a very good question. And so there's also the reason why we're super interested in bringing, talking about all three. We'll get to EFF just a little bit later. But we watched, it was Africa Newsroom, hey, if I'm right. Africa Newsroom. So the DA have come out with a new legislator or a bill that they want to put forward when the new government comes into power. It's the DA Power Bill. So we educated ourselves last night and we watched a very spirited debate uh, between NCDA and EFF about this power bill and why they're putting it forward. And it's very entertaining <laughs> because no one actually spoke about what it is that they do. What are they doing better? And they're also hypocritical. The one guy on the ANC, which I also thought was very interesting. Did you notice how it was a white, a colored and a black man? Yes. So they had all the colors. And in it was opposing parties. In opposing parties. And yeah. it was a white man for ANC, a colored man for West, for DA. I was going to say Western. And then EFF was uh, a black guy. But he was funny here when he said, it's tough to listen to someone when they're hallucinating. Watch it. We'll link it as it's well. It's really entertaining. Really entertaining. But they're not really talking about what they're going to do. So breakdown of the DA Powerball, I feel like I'm telling the story backwards. But the DA Powerball is basically one step in the direction of building a federalist state. And for those who don't know what a federal state, federalist state is, please tell them. So federalist state, so if you look at the US, they're not, they're united country, but they all have their own federalist government, meaning so um, Texas. So they don't have provinces, they have a federalist state. So it's kind of like a micro government within the broader government. And that's pushing the agenda of what? The Cape Exit segregation <laughs> and so they're pushing it so there's the argument on the da side is that they don't they still want to be part of a united south africa they just want to take more power into their own hands to be able to control kind of what goes on within the province and to be out of anc control mm-hmm. and mal ill practice mal governance whatever those words are i feel like i'm failing the english language right now as well <laughs> But basically taking away from the ANC's ability to govern within the Western Cape. And then also whatever revenue is generated by the Western Cape, they can see fit how they repurpose it back into the province. Which is scary based off the things that I've just said. Based off what we're able to see with our eyes, I live outside of the CBD. So my journey into the CBD, because I work in the CBD, um, you see the steady progression 
you know, from those shacks from the airport, yeah. past Langa, and then all the way where it's shiny. So my question is, if you want to be spending money within the Western Cape and you want to have direct veto of that money spent, is it going to remain the way that we're, we're, what it is, where the coin is shiny on one side and then completely, uh, uh, what's this, brass and copper on the other side like mm. i just want to know like which way is the bread going to be battered because yeah. your track record says you only care about what's shiny and you do not care about the disenfranchised yeah because um, i'm also curious as to if that comes into play they said they will take um under their control it would be exports inputs agriculture uh what else was it that was mentioned there's a few things that then they will take more under their control but my question is, what are you going to do with it? All they said is that all I heard was, take it away from ANC. Yes. We're not ANC. Take it away from ANC. This was literally the argument. We're not ANC. ANC. We're she's not, not ANC. She's not even joking. She's not like, it's not even a euphemism. It's like, like watching a reality TV show, you know, like watching Too Hot to Handle or something. And then the person just keeps blaming the other side. It's a reality TV show. This is like American politics. I understand that it gets viewership, but clearly no one likes what they have to say because I don't think there was a huge viewership on that I'm not sure I'm standing to be corrected mm. I must look at the stats but I didn't even know that debate was out mm. but the moderator did a fantastic he job. did a phenomenal job he was a really great moderator he kept them honest to the point they didn't straight and he was, to the point either when they started to he pulled them back to mm. it and he also made notes where he pulled out specific stats or factoids that they were listing and asked the other party to rebuttal against it but none of them actually had a constructive rebuttal. It was basically just bashing one another once more. What have you done differently? The guy from the ANC basically said that there's no corruption in the ANC. I mean, like now, sir, now, sir, sir, sir. But anyway, can we, uh, can we just reiterate that? What, what about state capture? What about all the 500 billion rand gone missing? All this kind of stuff. How can you on live television? And also, what bothered me the most? He's on live. He's on live television, or it's online. And his phone is. His phone was pinging the whole time. It's fly. His phone was pinging the whole time. I couldn't take him seriously because he was clearly not taking the debate seriously. Because if you were there to be present, to have an actual debate and conversation and be informative, mm. you would not have. A your phone, phone on and going and he would, and he checked it. I saw him look at the phone. <laughs> oh, no, no, He's no. not taking himself seriously, is what I mean. Then he wasn't he... taking that debate seriously. Mm -hmm. So again, like, how can we take any of these guys seriously? But isn't that the point of this conversation? Is yeah. to is to is to for, for us to get educated, right? Because our feelings matter. But we've said, yeah. So we will discuss. Factual. The ANC and DA manifesto when it comes out this year, we're basically just going off the previous ones from 2019 that they released. Mm -hmm. DA promises weekend it will be released. ANC, unsure, which brings us to EFF, who was also a third party in that debate of what we watched. Mm -hmm. um, they have already released their manifesto and they've gazetted a couple of things, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because, as you said earlier when we were looking through this information, they're acting as if they're already in power. Because they're taking themselves a little bit more seriously.